Hey guys, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth coming at you from my closet in North Carolina. Hey, this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. What's up? Part two. Yes. Yes. I'm it's excited. It's only been a day since we've seen you. Isn't that fun? Let's don't it's make a habit a of this, right? <laughs> I know. I know. It would be nice to, to to just every day drop something new, but it would be a little bit a little bit much on us mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that. I'm and, real glad to get this out of my brain. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I had to take it out of my brain for a minute because we just finished recording part one, guys. So so you know we don't like you know record it that day and drop it. <laughs> um, but and. My oldest son was at band practice and texted me, uh, someone has to get me because I have to carry all this equipment home. And so I had to, as Beth says, take my bl- dark hat off, put my white hat on to go get my kid. And <laughs> the now, mom hat. Now I'm taking my mom hat off and putting this serial killer hat back on to listen. So I'm ready. I'm ready now. Okay. Good. I'm just going to jump right in here. Okay. Old Ed, the real weirdo. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yesterday when I left you hanging, um, it was like 1970, 1971 time frame, and Ed was released from the mental facility as a model patient and inmate for killing his grandparents. He'd just lost his job working for the California Highway Department, and he started this fun little game or hobby of picking up hitchhikers and he still hates Clarnell. well i don't know if he'll ever get over that (laughs) he doesn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. spoiler okay so ed would drive around california in his area and find young college women and would pick them up and take them these were hitchhikers, and he would take them to their destination and would drop them off like a huh. old school Uber. Yeah, I was just going to say, like taxi driver without being a taxi driver. <laughs> yeah, that's basically how he was. And he reported later that he believes that he picked up, like peacefully picked up 150 hitchhiking women hmm. or girls. These were girls. But over time, he started doing some real weird things. And he would, like, keep a gun in his car when he picked him up. Like, he didn't pull it out, but he would just keep it in his car and hide it from them. And then he started putting things in his car, like plastic bags and knives and blankets and handcuffs. Mm. No, I really would wonder if the handcuffs that he put in his car were the ones that the his cop friend gave him. From the oh, jury room, true. from like his bar buddy. Okay. And I have a question. Did he ever say, because I mean, he clearly wasn't a woman hater as he took out his aggressions on cats as a women symbol and mm-hmm. didn't like his mom and blah, 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 blah. Killed grandma. Killed grandma. So did he say like <clears throat> what made him actually be nice to these hitchhikers in the beginning? Like, well, interesting that you say that. I don't. So it was, 
okay, you have to remember that he was incarcerated from 15 to 21. So these were like very formative years for a young boy. And he had no female relationships whatsoever, had never been, had affection from females. He had never been like had an intimate relationship with any female. And so the fascination with that was almost like, let me see if they could be nice to me. Or he liked that, like, Mm. you know, that he was just a guy, a nice guy giving them a ride. Mm. That's how I see it. Okay. He just, yeah. So, but we don't know because he was a real weirdo. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if he like said that because since he was such a talker about his. Yeah, his I think he might have said like that he just was fascinated with the fact that he was just an ordinary Joe to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he eventually, eventually began having sexual and homicidal urges that he called his little zapples. That's what he called them. Isn't that so cool? Mm-hmm. I cannot. <laughs> So before long, the Zapples took over and he decided that he was going to take action. So between May of 1972 and April of 1973, he would kill eight people. Mm. Wow. Okay. So his MO was to pick up these female hitchhikers, all college co-eds. And would take them to remote, isolated areas, kill them by various methods, take their bodies home. And he would do very disturbing things with their bodies and would decapitate them, dismember them, and dispose of them. He says that he would often search for victims after an argument with Clarnell. So remember, he's looking for... Mm-hmm. like a surrogate for his mama and he's still living with her and she's like his desired victim. He doesn't realize that at the time that's later, but like gross. Mm-hmm. Okay. So his first, well, it's not his first murder, <laughs> but his first episode with the hitchhikers dude comes out of the murder closet swinging and ends up with two victims mm. at once. So on May 2nd of 1972, he was 24 years old at the time. So still a very young man. He was driving in Berkeley, California and picked up two young female college students, both 18 years old and students of Fresno State University. He offered to take them to a party at Stanford. So this is Mary Ann Pesk and Anita Mary Lucheza. He drives around with them for like an hour. I think it's a haul from Fresno to Stanford and stops in a wooded, like secluded area that he was familiar with from his work with the highway department. Mm. So he takes Lucheza, puts her in the trunk. He handcuffs Pesky and tries to suffocate her with a bag. But like this Mama Jamma bites through the bag. <laughs> Whoa. She's yeah. a fighter. She was. So he ended up taking her into the woods, <laughs> strangling her, and stabbing her to death. Mm, wow. Okay. So this is really interesting from this. At one point, whenever he was trying to put, like, um, restrain her, I think he put handcuffs on her or something, he accidentally, like, brushed her breast 
and was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Kind of sound like him there. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, just think about that. Like he's 24 years old and has never probably Mm. touched a woman. Mm -hmm. And so he was like reverted back to being like this young teenage boy, like wacko, Mm -hmm. like, oh, that was really inappropriate. Right. Yeah. Let me just tell you inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Okay. So he kills her and then he goes to Lucheza, who is in the trunk and kills her in a similar way. Puts both of the women's bodies in his trunk and goes to drive back to his apartment. On the way back to his apartment, he is stopped by a police officer because of a broken taillight. Oh, gosh. They're always With, right under their freaking noses. Always. Literally. They're at the jury room. You're giving them mm-hmm. handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they didn't suspect anything. He's like, I'll fix my taillight. Sorry, officer. Gotta go. So he gets home. His roommate wasn't home. So he took the bodies in, posed them, photographed them. He decapitated them, had sex with the bodies and then performed some sexual acts with the heads Mm. dismembered them put the bodies in plastic bags and disposed of them on a mountain range so pesky's skull was found three months later on the mountain luchez's remains were never found what they have never found them okay so four months later on September 14th, 1972, Ed picked up 15-year-old dance student Aiko Ku. 15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She had missed her bus and was trying to get to her dance class. And so she decided that she was going to hitchhike to get to her dance class. He immediately pulls a gun on her and tells her that he wants to kill himself, but wants her as a witness. Oh, Lord have mercy. He drove her to a remote location and somehow gained this little girl, little girl, 15, gains her trust. At one point during this, like, incident, he locks himself out of his own car. I do not know how. I cannot find this anywhere. Like, did he go pee? What was he doing? Out of the car, leaves her in the car with the gun. She lets him back in. Oh, poor little So I I know. So I feel like that just goes to show like what kind of personality this guy had. Like that Mm -hmm. he really was. I mean, he pulled a gun on her. And he's like this. He's a big, bad Larry. Like he's a big dude and she's 15. Okay. So he gets back in the car and he ends up choking her to death. He puts her body body in the trunk and then goes to the bar and has some drinks. With his police buddies. Oh, Lord. Probably trying to find out information about the two previous victims. Who knows? So he has a few drinks, and he later confesses that when he leaves the bar, he goes to his car and opens the trunk and looks in it, quote, admiring the catch like a fisherman. Oh. He went back to his apartment, took the body in, decapitated it, did his thing with the body, things with the head, dismembered her, disposed of her remains, like on a mountain again, and they were later found. 
Okay. This was in September, right? In November of 1972, he met with his psychologist and parole officers because remember he had just been released from prison when he was 21 a few years earlier and he was deemed as rehabilitated, no threat to society and his criminal record from when he was 15 and killed his grandparents was expunged. Expunged from his record. So they wiped it off. Yes. So he is like, I'm winning. Mm-hmm. I'm winning this murder game. And I will tell you what he does next right after this break. Okay. So during this time, due to some financial difficulties that he was having, he moves back in. Mm. Wait no. for it. <laughs> With Clarnell. Jeez. Mommy dearest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. And who's the weirdo also, by the way? Is it actually Edmund or is it mom for constantly bringing him back for like being like, you know, oh, I killed grandparents. And then she's like, okay, call the cops. Like it's not like <laughs> she's a weirdo too. Yeah. Just throw out those cat parts. Don't do that, dude. Right. Oh yeah. That part. Sorry. I forgot about that part. Yes. I mean, she's a weirdo too. So yeah, mm-hmm. I know. No, he's a weirdo. He's the real weirdo. <laughs> well, yes. But she certainly, um, like I say, she is, we are not, I am not a Clarnell fan. Like, mm-hmm. she is an angry, mean woman. I mean, my God, her name is Clarnell. Like, that in yourself would, you would just be mad. <laughs> but, okay. So, obviously, moving back in with his mom adds to his mental state. He feels very defeated. You know, doesn't help. And now he's got a taste for murder. So, on January 7th, 1973... Ed picks up 18-year-old Cynthia Ann Shawl, who goes by Cindy. This is an interesting victim to me. Okay. She was a babysitter of, for one of the police officers. Mm. So I don't know if he – I mean, he obviously didn't know that because she's like a random hitchhiker, but that's just an interesting connection. Okay. So he drives her to a wooded area and shoots her with a twenty-two caliber pistol, puts her body in the trunk, Drove it back to his mom's house. He keeps her body hidden in his closet overnight. And the next morning when Clarnell leaves to go to work at the college, he again decapitates the body, has sex with the body. He removed the bullet so that it couldn't be traced back to him. Hmm. He dismembers the body in his mother's bathtub with a power saw, oh they think. They think. Mm. And disposes of the body, but he keeps the head for several days to, like, for his pleasure to perform oh. acts on the head. Mm. And when he's done, he buries the head, buries Cindy's head in his mom's garden, face up, looking towards her bedroom. Ah, uh, well, that's really creepy in itself, but this is all going back to the cat that he buries in their yard and decapitates and yeah, blah, 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 decapitates all the doll's heads and ugh, that's creepy. Yeah. So he later says that he did this because his mom always wanted people to look up to her. 
creepy and funny. <laughs> Real weirdo. Like, no wonder she locked you in the basement. I think about that. I'm like, man, I got to give her something for that because, but again, it just feels like she knew. She knew, Mm. man. She knew. Clarnell knew. Mm. So um, Cindy's remains were later found, with the exception of her head, Mm -hmm. and her right hand. Okay. So just under a month later... On February 5th, 1973, after an argument with Clarnell, Ed leaves home looking for another victim. Okay, so during this time, the Santa Cruz area, or just the whole area, was on like high alert. Because at this point, they were finding body parts mm-hmm. of these young college students. And they, it was very clear to them that someone was targeting young female hitchhikers and killing them and dumping their remains. And this is when he gets his co- his name, the co-ed killer. Mm-hmm. That's what it I was going to um, ask, is if they were getting found as he was doing it, or did they not find him until after the fact? Oh, and he, yeah. Some months mm-hmm. later, most of them, some weeks later. But yes, mm-hmm. they were finding these body parts. So the police in the area warned that students particularly female, should not accept rides from any vehicle unless the vehicle had a university sticker mm-hmm. on it. Well, he's so, like, going to get one, right? Only hitchhike. <laughs> hitchhike. Okay, mm-hmm. guys. Okay, ladies. But only hitchhike with a sticker. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who had a sticker? Mm-hmm. Because Ed's mom was an employee of the University of California, Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. So he had a university sticker. Her scope of like attributions to this man is just over the top. Right. Like it's unbelievable mm-hmm. how much she attributed to all of this. Okay. So on the campus where his mom worked, University of California, Santa Cruz, he picked up 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe. Isn't that such a pretty name, Rosalind? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 20-year-old Alice Helen Liu, who goes by Allison. Right when you picked him up, just right as soon as they got in the car, he shot him. Fatally shot him. Just right there on the campus. Brazen, mm-hmm. brazen. And isn't there campus security? Like, how did, how did well, nobody hear this? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's possible that there wasn't. At that time? I mean, could it be possible? Possibly, I guess. I Mm. guess. Okay. He wraps both of the bodies in blankets, brought the the bodies back to his mom's house. This time, he beheaded both of the bodies in his car Mm. and took the headless bodies inside, where he proceeded to do his dance with them. And he dismembered them. He removed the bullets again and discarded the remains in a canyon the next morning, which, again, were later found. Okay. So this brings us to the final and pinnacle murders. Ed is 24 years old. He's eight murders in. He killed both of his grandparents and now six female 
college students. On April 20th of 1973, Mama Clarnell, who was 52 at the time, comes home from a party. As she's coming in, she wakes Ed up. So he gets up, he goes to her, and she's in her bed reading a book. And as he walks in, she says, I'm going to try to do my, my most witchy voice. Well, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. Okay. To which he says, do you like it? To which he says, no, good night. So then he waits for her to fall asleep, wakes up or gets up, bludgeons her with a claw hammer, Mm -hmm. slits her throat with a knife, decapitates her. And as he puts it, I think he says he humiliated her body. I think that's how he Oh, my goodness gracious. And her head. He puts her head on the mantle and screams Mm. at it for hours. And then eventually ends up like throwing stuff at it. Basically like uses it as a dartboard. He then cuts out her tongue and her larynx and tries to put them down the garbage disposal. Oh my word. Okay. Well that didn't work because you know, I just, it's not meant for that, you know, Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> tongue, like old cereal tough. Um, and he later says, I'm quoting, that seemed appropriate as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. So he could not kill the beast. Mm-hmm. He tried to grind up her tongue and her voice box and he just couldn't do it. So then he hid her body in the closet and went out for a beer. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, for a beer. celebratory time. Mm-hmm. Old Ed, the real weirdo. He then invites his mom's best friend over for dinner and a movie. Hmm. What did she ever do? Because I'm not thinking things are going to end well for her. <laughs> <laughs> you are right. This is 59-year-old Sarah Taylor, who goes by Sally. So she comes over, and when she arrives, he strangles her to death, which he says is to create a cover story that his mom and her had gone away on vacation together. It's like he panicked. So just innocent bystander, really. It's not like she ever did anything to him. No, true. So he hid her body in another closet. He cleaned up. Okay. So during this time, Ed... Like, at some point in April, a couple weeks before he had killed his mom, he had bought a gun. And um, the police had gotten, like, you know, they do these checks or whatever when you buy a handgun. And they had gotten this, just like a notation. And one of the admin people at the police department comes and she's like, look, this guy bought a gun. And... I can see that it's like blacked out on his record and it looks like something's been expunged, but it seems like he might have been involved in a homicide. Hmm. So even though his record was expunged and it was all blacked out, it, she just, it bothered her, I guess. Kudos. And the police actually went to Ed and confiscated the gun. So he felt like the police department who knew him, right? 
were like messing with him. Mm. They were playing like this game with him where he was like, oh, they know it's me. So he's very, very paranoid at this point. So he now definitely is like, I just killed my mom and my mom's best friend. Like they know it's me. Mm -hmm. This is my end all be all murder, you know, like the one that it was all about. So he's like freaking out. So he writes a note to the police and leaves it in his house. In the note at the top, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you exactly what it says. It makes no sense, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> it says, not sloppy, incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. So he's basically like, sorry for the mess. Guys, hmm. you know, it's not, it's not sloppy. I wasn't trying to be sloppy. I just ran out of time. I got to go. Okay. So oh then he says, God. approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Okay. This was a messy murder, by the mm -hmm. way. Like claw yeah. hammer. Slit Seems throat. like it may have been his like messiest. Ab absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think it was planned. Like I think, I mean, obviously when he went in and she said that to him about like, you're going to want to talk all night. He was like, I think he says even later, like I knew I was going to kill her. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then he drove, he took Sally's car, the friend's car and drove for three days, nonstop 1000 miles all the way to Pueblo, California. And during this whole entire time, he believes that he is the target of an active manhunt. Remember, he's like paranoid. He thinks they know it's him. Now he's killed his mom. Like there's no way he's left this note basically mm -hmm. confessing to her murder. So he's like, they are looking for me. So after he gets to Pueblo, he realizes that there was like no news coverage of his mom or Sally's murders. And I think that made him mad. Mm -hmm. So he finds a payphone and he calls his friends at the Santa Cruz Police Department. And he confesses to his mother and Sally's murder. So he's like, guys, I killed Clarnell. And like, go find her body already. <laughs> they thought he was kidding. So they hadn't found her yet. No. And they thought he was kidding. They were like, Ed, big Ed. Just call back mm. later. We'll see what you at the bar, the buddy. <sighs> Meet us at the jury kidding. room. Yes. So he called back a few hours later and specifically asks for an officer that he knew personally. He confesses again to Clarnell and Sally's murder, and then he confesses to all six of the co-ed murders. Hmm. He's like, I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's real. Mm -hmm. I'm your guy. So the police come get him, and they take him into custody. And later... When he was asked why he confessed, he said, quote, the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near extinction, near collapse, I said to hell with it and called it off. Gosh. Real weirdo. Uh, yeah. 
We got to give Clarnell one thing. Yeah, she called she the weirdo. Right on the nose. Mm. So Ed Kemper the third <laughs> was indicted on eight counts of first degree murder. While he was in custody, he attempted suicide twice. Mm. And he actually, that disappoints me actually in him. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's very odd. I think that's a very strange. Um, I would like to know what he has to say about that because I think that's yeah. weird. It doesn't he make tried, sense to me actually. Yeah. Like he feels really good. He He's, this guy's like, I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he tried for an insanity defense hard. He tried hard for an insanity defense. And he, even at one point he said that he was a cannibal. Like that, just to make himself look crazier, but mm-hmm. late it didn't work. The insanity defense didn't work. Like this guy's not insane. He knew exactly mm-hmm. what he was doing. He was calculated. And he later like recounted that and was like, I didn't need anybody. Mm. I just said that. So they think I was crazy. So I don't know if that's true. We don't know because their remains were found. So beat, you know, dismembered and all this. Well, and some, some not all of found. them were found. Yeah. Yeah. Not all the parts. So, so on November, 1973, he was found guilty of all eight counts and he was sentenced to eight life sentences in prison. Mm-hmm. So California at the time had a moratorium on the death penalty. He actually requested to be sentenced to death by torture. What a sicko. I know. Weirdo. <laughs> weirdo, real weirdo. So he, during his time in prison, this was 1973, okay? This is a really long time ago. He was 24. Young guy. Holy cow, so yes. young. 24 years old. He has served alongside fellow serial killers like Charles Manson. Another notorious California serial killer, mm-hmm. well, ish, and Herbert Mullen. Do you know who that is? I don't know that I know that one. So he is the guy who he was crazy. He killed people and said that during the times that he was doing the killings, there were no earthquakes in California, so it was his killing that was keeping away the earthquakes. Oh uh, well, thank you. but he was going. a sicko too. <laughs> okay, so again, our friend Ed is a model prisoner. He has given hundreds of hours of interviews about his past, about his crimes. Mm -hmm. He helped the FBI profile serial killers. So if you've ever seen the show Mindhunter on Mm -hmm. Netflix, Mm -hmm. he is a huge, I know you've seen that. He is a huge character in that movie. And it is so interesting to watch because it really is accurate of like, how endearing this guy is, but it's like, he is so crazy. And I feel so worried for the guys who are interviewing him all the time. (laughs) No kidding. Okay. So this is interesting. He has also read and recorded dozens of audio books. So you can hear his voice on audio books. Listen, some of the books that he has recorded are star Wars. Shut up. I am your father. He's not. Yes. <laughs> oh no. my gosh. And flowers in the attic, which is like really creepy. Mm, well, and so, why is he allowed to do that? It's just his understand. job. It's just his job in prison. Just like one of his jobs. So that's what they do. That's that's who they get to record um, audiobooks is prisoners. Like, <laughs> no. Okay, I'm sorry. That's news to me. <laughs> 
Isn't that <laughs> wild? And he also helped schedule other inmates' psychiatry appointments. Cool, because he wrote the book, so, I mean, <laughs> or the scale. <laughs> the <didn't> write it. <laughs> but, like, I just feel like, again, it's like these people in prison are like, oh, Big Ed. Like, he, they love him. He wins them over. It's so weird. Amazing. It is interesting to note, though, that um, I saw one person give an interview that she was a person that had to come in. She was a woman, and she had to come in and interview him. And so, like, he's given, like I said, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews about his crimes and about other serial killers and saying, like, what's making – tell us who the serial killer is based on what you – you know, his killings and blah, blah, blah. And works perfectly fine with them and loves them. And anytime a woman comes in, like this one particular woman came in and had to interview him about something or question him about something. And he like lost it on her. Like zero to 60, like enraged. So he still mm. hates the ladies. Mm-hmm. Still hates mm. Clarnell. It didn't help him. He's going to hate the fact that we did this podcast and it was ladies doing it. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> nightmares. Oh my God. nightmares. I'm ready with having nightmares about this. Okay. So in 2015, Ed had a stroke and he was declared medically disabled. So he retired mm. from all of his jobs, all of his prison positions. So he's just relaxing there in prison now? Yep. He is currently mm. 71 years old. He is being held in California, the California Medical Facility. And he always waives his right to parole. He doesn't ever want to be like up for parole to where they actually consider letting him out. He says he's happy in prison. I mean, he is eligible for parole again in 2024, but hmm. we'll probably waive it. I don't even understand how people like that can be eligible for parole. <laughs> right. But honestly, they like, shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, there's for sure crazy crazies out there that should never, ever, ever well, have he that opportunity. Well, he would get it. Well, I know. Who knows? Just the fact that it's there. I mean, the fact that he has the opportunity means that it is entirely possible <laughs> that he could get it. And True. So. Wacko. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is bananas. Mm-hmm. So. Why did I pick Ed Kemper? <laughs> yeah. Why did you? Although I did. I'm glad I you him. did. I know because of the psychological aspect of this dude. Like he is so fascinating to me. He's so smart. He's so self-aware. And like the thing is crazy people don't know they're crazy, right? That's like a famous saying. If you know you're crazy, you feel very justified in your feelings and your beliefs and like the way that you look at the world and what your behavior is. But he knows he was crazy. Mm -hmm. He knows why he did the things that he did. He attributes it all back to specific things. Like, he knows that, like, I was killing my mom the whole time. Mm. You and know, is that what it. psychologists would say legitimately? Absolute. That it was yeah. because of his mom? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. She I mean, I the, think that too, but. She is definitely um, the bad guy in his story, for sure. I mean, he's a bad guy, but, like, she gets a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. For being the biznitch. Hmm. Yep. Wow. And what else is interesting is his first murder was his grandma and his last murder was his mom. Well, it was his mom's best friend, but you know. Close technically. 
So that's crazy <laughs> to me. And I also feel like it's interesting to think about with him, like from the psychological standpoint. My gosh, sorry. I have to put the hat on. But like the whole nature versus nurture thing. Like, was he born this way? Like, was he mm-hmm. born with crossed wires, just, you know, sociopathic tendencies, empathy problems? Or was this all environmental for him? Did Clarnell create this monster? Well, and 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 could it possibly be a little bit of both? Like, what well, absolutely was born with these crossed wires, and had it been nurtured the right way, had she just Maybe. let him be gay? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So here's a question: Does he actually identify with being gay? Like, no. has he said that? No. No. Okay. Okay. No. No, he does not. But. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe if she had nurtured that part of him, maybe that's what he's been fighting this whole time. Right. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. That's so interesting. Ooh, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. And I don't know why we dive right in on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we literally do. Like, that's what we call it, too, guys. Like when we're researching cases, we're like, don't you can't text me right now. I'm in the rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's how that starts. Um, I'm going in the rabbit hole. And then like hours later, <laughs> like, done. Next climbing my way out. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm organizing my rabbit hole. <laughs> oh yeah. My gosh. Which is another rabbit hole. But... Yeah. <laughs> oh, holy cow. Killer. I cannot believe we're doing serial killers, but... <laughs> We're halfway through. We're halfway through, right? To what the people want. <laughs> yeah. It is true. I'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how people react to these and if we have mm-hmm. any uh any like reactions from people, you know, like comments, whatever. Yeah. Know, notes. We'd love to get those. So oh, I bet you will. <laughs> I bet yeah. you'll get them. <laughs> so now I'm excited to see what comes over the next. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Stay tuned. <laughs> we love serial killer September. Yeah, I think we're coining that. Is there a way to trademark it? Is it trademarked? I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> I know. When I first posted and tried to do a hashtag, it um, there was like posts, but it was like only a minimal. And I think it was somebody like tried to do it on Instagram a while back. Oh, but it, so. So I think Sorry, we could Instagrammer. No, because I think it like it died. Whatever it was <laughs> that died in the water. So okay. I think we can we can I think we can claim it as podcasters. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Claiming so it done. We gotta go watch uh, Friends or something. <laughs> For real. For real. When I was researching mine, <laughs> I said to her. So I texted Beth. I'm like, I'm just sitting here watching Friends for a little bit because I can't, <laughs> can't go to sleep with all this in my head. Yes, it will give you nightmares. I know. Yeah. Such a thing to have in your earbuds for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. Anyways, <laughs> but as always, you're done, right? You're good? I'm done. You got it? <laughs> Anything else for us? <laughs> cut. I cut you off. <laughs> But we appreciate you guys listening and sticking with us on this fun little September roller coaster that we have you on. Um, 
And hopefully you are continuing to share us and liking and subscribing, finding us on Instagram, Crimes and Closets, Facebook too. <laughs> Send us an email. Send us a voice message, guys. Come on. We keep telling you that. You can send us a voice message on Anchor. I don't know why. I feel like it would be really fun to get our first voice message. Come on, guys. I'll leave you one. Oh, you want to send it to me? Dear Christy, don't be a real weirdo. (laughs) Stop asking for voicemails. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a weirdo. (laughs) But anyways. All right. Anyways, guys, thanks. Thanks for listening. And we really appreciate it. And, um, oh yes, always give us a rating review and rating. If you, um, would like to, we'd love it. And just always remember the world is scary. People suck. Find your closets. Bye. (laughs) 